Hey, Mosaic. Well, it certainly is an understatement to say that there is a lot going on in the world right now. I know many of us are, are tired. Um, some of us are angry. We should lament. Lament acknowledges suffering, and in particular, the suffering of people all around us. Um, God is attentive to the cry of the oppressed. And I think a beautiful movement for us right now is to keep being attentive to those voices of the oppressed. Black voices among us who are walking, seeking liberation from powers of darkness. And it's a beautiful opportunity for us to lean in and listen and learn and ask what still needs to change in our hearts. Mosaic, I want us to know this is not a left or a right thing. I hope that as a church we could acknowledge this, that all of this happening around us, it's not a left thing or a right thing. But this is a kingdom of God thing versus a kingdom of darkness thing. The kingdom of darkness works through various channels in various ways. And we need to call out the kingdom of darkness and bring it into the light. And we should be the kingdom of God to those who are hurting all around us. And I see so many of you seeking to be about that very thing. It's, it's beautiful. Let's keep going in that direction. As a church, we're in the midst of walking through the New Testament letter of Romans backwards. This is the Apostle Paul's letter to five house churches in the middle of the Roman Empire. And they are the new human family following this King Jesus. And this week, we continue to... Um, seek after Paul's vision of, of Christoformity. Christoformity, it, it starts with us individually. What yet needs to be transformed? But then it encourages us to move out and live in a way that becomes others-centered, not thinking of ourselves too highly, especially as it relates to how we relate to one another in the body of Christ. And today, Paul invites us into orienting ourselves outward even further, and especially how we relate to public government authorities. I've still, I find it amazing sometimes. We plan these, um, the sermon schedule well in advance. And so in light of everything that's even happening around us, to, to have us looking at the part of Romans that we're looking at right now, I just see how God's Spirit works in such a way that God's Spirit wants to speak to us about the very things that we are living in at this time. Mosaic, anytime we interact with Scripture, it's good to remember and acknowledge that Scripture wasn't written to us. It wasn't written to us Americans living in 2020. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that we get in on the story, and the story extends itself to us, but it wasn't ultimately written to us. We have the hard work of, of reading, of listening, and especially contextualizing. Otherwise, we can easily get in the way of God's unfolding story of redemption as it's being worked out in the way of Jesus. At this moment, I want to I ask us just to stop and pause for a minute 
let's cover a little ground of history. And I want us to uh, imagine being a Jew um, who is drawn to this King Jesus. The year is AD 49 and you're living in Rome. So you're, you're away from your homeland. You're away from Israel. You're living in Rome in the midst of this vast Roman Empire. Um, Jesus has shown us his life, his death, his resurrection, and we're a part of this new human family following King Jesus. Imagine yourself there. There's been this good news coming from Jerusalem that a new king is ruler over all and that in his name is the forgiveness of sins, in particular life in God's kingdom. And even high-ranking now Roman government officials, Roman Gentiles, non-Jews, are being drawn to live within this reality under King Jesus. They somehow are even understanding that, that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, all the evils and wrongs of the world are being put right. That somehow in Jesus, God is reconciling all things in the world to himself. And even these Gentiles, these, these high-ranking Roman officials, are being called to embody a Christiform life, a life of Christiformity as they follow Jesus, which is a very different way of life from the Roman Empire of privilege and power. So as a result, Emperor Claudius announces what's called the Christus Affair. It's basically this announcement that too many of us Roman Gentiles are we're leaving the way of the empire and instead embodying this Christoform life of following Jesus. And it's getting in the way of the empire. Citizens of Rome, in a sense, are starting to have an affair with this idea of a new king and actually living like him, antithetical to the ways of power and privilege in the empire. And so therefore... Uh, the Christus affair that Emperor Claudius announces, what, is, what it does is it, it expels anyone, and in particular Jews who are now following Jesus, expels them out of Rome, out of that area of the Roman Empire. It's like, just get away from us. You're getting in the way of what's going on. So you've been now kicked out of, of this land. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18 uh, he's in the midst of some of his missionary travels. Um, and he's announcing the good news of this King Jesus. And in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, we actually read these words. After this, after this, as Paul had just announced the good news of King Jesus in Athens, which was in Greece, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. So you have Aquila and Priscilla who were in Italy, but they had come from Italy because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. So you have these Jews who are, who are following the way of Jesus, and they're ordered to leave, to leave Rome because... Their, their way of embodying a Christiform life and, and then seeing other Roman Gentiles around them also be drawn to this, it's getting in the way of the empire. And so now at the writing of the letter of Romans, Emperor Nero is in charge. And so Claudius has passed, Emperor Nero is in charge. 
and Jews are allowed back in Rome. But these Jews now, as they're welcomed back into Rome, and probably with a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth, because they had been ordered to leave Italy just a little while ago because of um, they were embodying this Christiform life following this King Jesus. They're back in Rome, but oh, taxes are a problem now. It's always taxes. Aren't taxes always the problem? There was direct taxes from Rome, but then also companies in Rome were farming indirect taxes on goods that were entering and leaving Rome. So taxation is this, this big problem. And so these Jews who are following Jesus had been expelled, but now they're welcome, they're welcome back. Um, they're living in this reality, a sour taste in their mouth, but everyone is facing this in Rome, not just the Jews. It's also the Gentiles. Everyone, regardless of their background, is being impacted by the taxation system around. And so we've learned in our previous weeks here of walking backwards through Rome, Romans, that there's the weak and the strong. And these groups, it's important that we understand the group, these groups because so much of the letter references just what they're going through. The weak in particular are Jews living in Rome. They're not on their home turf anymore. They're seeing others welcomed into God's story. And these Gentiles who are being welcomed in, they're not having to abide by Torah food laws. Their lived theology was somewhat of a, of a zealot mindset. And one of the ways that they lived a zealot mindset, this idea of we know what God wants and, and we're going to do whatever it takes to see that it gets accomplished. They had this idea that, you know, what, we're just not going to pay taxes because we've been expelled. Now we've been welcomed back. We have this sour taste in our mouth and everyone doesn't like this. And you know what? We're just not going to pay taxes. We're not going to play fair in the midst of this. But Paul invites these Jewish zealots who, they, they're drawn to following Jesus, this new king. But Paul's inviting them to live a right kind of lived theology. And so this is the context of what's happening. And it's important that we understand this when we read these words from this letter of Romans, chapter 12, verses 14 through chapter 13, verse 10. Paul says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, 
and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Then Paul concludes in this section, let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there, be, there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, a few things about this passage, and especially a few things about those who like to bring it up anytime they see people calling positions of authority into question. First off, it's important, we have to be very careful that we don't throw this passage around. And throughout history, these words, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Those words have been tossed around throughout history in some very dangerous ways. And this is why it's so important for us to understand the context of what's happening in this letter. Paul is writing this in regards to, to Jewish zealots, in particular the weak, who aren't living on their home turf, trying to figure out all of this change that's happening. Paul's writing this to the Jewish zealots within the Roman house churches who don't want to pay taxes like everyone else around them already does. And Paul is simply saying, look, pay your taxes. This is for everyone. In a sense, governing authorities, when functioning healthily, they help us all. We are beneficiaries of the services provided by the government and the authorities, the benefactor, by the taxes that, that we pay. So Paul says, pay them. This is how a peaceful society works, period. The language of the benefactor, the one providing, and the beneficiary, the one receiving, are all over this passage in this letter. And so the emperor sees himself as the benefactor, so let him see himself as the benefactor. And then you receive the benefits. Now here's the dangerous thing. Romans 13, as I had mentioned, it's, it's been quoted in a lot of ways throughout history that have really oppressed people. 
the people who live under oppression that God sees and, and God desires to bring them out from under oppression. For instance, Romans 13 was often quoted by the apartheid regime of white rulers in South Africa who oppressed others through their segregation. It's way too easy for this passage to be quoted by those in positions of privilege and power or maybe by those who are benefiting by the system of privilege and power that's at work. That's not the heartbeat of this context. The heart of this part of the letter is about private vengeance that these Jewish followers of Jesus in the house churches want to take. And Paul is saying Christoformity, which has a public orientation, doesn't take this path. In a sense, Paul is saying, don't take vengeance in that way. Just because you're a little ticked, don't take vengeance. Say, well, I'm not going to pay taxes. Don't seek to get even. Don't seek to personally stick it to someone who is a governing authority. It's possible to read this and, and think to yourself, well, how does God not care about the injustices of those under authorities of privilege and power? And so a few things about this part of the letter that we're reading. Um, and in particular, just how we read it and, and um, how we have to be careful. Paul is not saying that God doesn't care about evil that happens at the hands of governing authorities with privilege and power. In fact, God cares very much. We, all we have to do is just look back at the Exodus story. As God sees people suffering under the hand of the Egyptian rulers, and what does God do? God acts on their behalf and sets them free. Paul isn't saying that, it's, that, that people should suffer under the evils of privilege and power. Paul is not saying it's in God's plan for bullies and, and power brokers to keep going as they are. In fact, Paul, who's actually writing these words and saying, look, submit yourself to the governing authorities, pay your taxes, actually ended up under house arrest for not obeying Roman authorities when he was told to silence his talk of King Jesus being ruler over all and the call for all of us to engage in a life of allegiance to King Jesus, a life of Christoformity. And so there's something for all of us to consider here. As you look out into the world around you, what group of people right now make you cringe? For the Jews living in these house churches, it was these this Roman ruler who had forced them to leave the land, but then welcomed them back and they had to pay taxes and it just made them cringe. And they were like, you know what? This person doesn't deserve my best. They don't deserve the best from anyone. Their attitude was, I'd like to, I'd like to see them get it. But that's just playing into the games of empire, into the games of privilege and power. Paul says, no, 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 no. The one who irritates you, learn to love your neighbor as yourself. So how would you want them to treat you? How would you want them to approach you? This is the way of Christoformity in the public world. Just a few concluding thoughts as we wrestle with this passage here and what Paul is saying. Obviously, we all want to live in, a, in an ordered, functioning society. 
where people are treated with dignity and respect. Isn't that something that we can all agree on? Don't we all want to live in a world where no one is the target of personal hatred or vengeance? Of course. And so we love our neighbors. We learn to lean in, all of them. This is the life of Christoformity. Any irritation that's there, we give that over to God's grace and mercy. Imagine a cruciform life, a life of Christoformity where you owe no one except the love that you have. Are you oppressed? Are you worn out? How can I listen to you? How can I bless you? Paul also says that these authorities, they've been placed there by God himself. Paul says the the authority is actually God's servant. So God is the master over the authority. Now, this would have been news to Emperor Claudius and Emperor Nero. Probably not welcome news to them. Rome believed in its own divinity. Rome believed that it was the superior power. And so for them to hear that actually, you know what, God's the one who's placed you here. Some empires now claim to believe that divinity is even on their side. Divinity becomes a a tool in their tool belt that they use to grab a hold of privilege and power. But whatever the case, God has placed these authority there. These authorities exist because of him. And so therefore, governments and authorities should be held accountable to treat everyone with dignity and respect as the image bearers of God that they are. God will not hold governments and authorities guiltless for their mistreatment of others. And as followers of Jesus, we need to proclaim this and we need to let this be known. As followers of Jesus, we voice this, especially to authorities who are doing things in a non-Christoform way while claiming they're on the side of Christ. When we see neighbors being treated and being mistreated by those in authority and power, we call it out in the name of Jesus. There is a king over all who will hold us accountable to another way. The king doesn't mistreat others by abusing his authority. But guess what? You still have to pay your taxes. You're still submitting yourself to the authority and paying your taxes like everyone else. That's the context of this letter. Mosaic, there's no doubt living in our day and age, we have a difficult task as Christians to know that God desires his world to be ruled by some sense of appropriate law. And that Jesus is already established also as the king over all the nations. Ours is the calling to live within this reality, loving our neighbors, paying our taxes for the public good, but coming alongside the oppressed, announcing that Jesus is king over all lives, even the lives of the governing authorities. Mosaic, in the midst of all that's going on, we have to take a long view of what's before us. A long view. God is somehow holding all things together. We submit ourselves in the ways that we need to to governing authorities, like Paul would say to these Jewish zealots living in the Roman Empire, just pay your taxes. Don't take personal vengeance. But we also hold government, governmental authorities and powers 
in check and say, you know, you've been placed there by God and God will hold you accountable for your rule, the way that you treat people. And as God comes alongside the oppressed, so do we. Mosaic, let's keep walking forward. Keep being people of peace, grace and peace to you.